This is Crypto Radio, powered by MoneyWeb, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. The crypto market in South Africa currently squats in a relative no-man's land when it comes to regulation. Yes, you have to declare crypto assets for tax purposes, and also when you ship money abroad to purchase Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. But last week, the Financial Sector Conduct Authority, or the FSCA, published a draft declaration that defines crypto assets as a financial product under the Financial Advisory and Intermediary Services Act, or the FISA Act. Joining us to discuss this is Brandon Topham, who is Divisional Executive for Enforcement at the FSCA. First of all, welcome, Brandon. Thank you. All the way from Pretoria today. <laughs> it's been a busy week for you. So uh, this is a declaration which was released last week for public comment. But it does seem that most companies operating in this space see it as a welcome move. They're quite happy with it, largely because of the credibility it brings to the good hats that are applying their trade in the crypto market. Maybe just kick off and explain what are these proposed regulations? What do they mean in practical terms? for the crypto exchanges and for the consumer? As a starting point to begin to try and bring some order in the chaos of the crypto world, we want to get the intermediaries, the wallet providers, the exchange providers, etc., and the advisors to be registered with us because at the moment anybody can theoretically open up a crypto business and ask the public, give me your money and I will give you crypto. And in some cases it does happen. But in many cases, the crypto just, well, the money just disappears. So we need to make sure that the people that are providing the services to the public are actually legitimate. And this is our starting point to do that. Yeah, I mean, there has been a lot of this in the crypto space, right, around Bitcoin. You get these invitations on WhatsApp. They don't seem to have any source of origin that you can identify. But if you click on it, you're taken through to some very dodgy website where you'll be encouraged to put in your personal or, or to transfer money, right? Is this kind of a lot of the traffic that you're receiving across your desk, these kind of scams? Correct. And the thing with the fraudster is the more unknown or the more complicated something sounds, it's easy to hide pure common fraud behind something that looks complicated. And very few people actually really understand Bitcoin. And people don't like saying, hey, I'm not sure what's happening. They don't want to look stupid or ignorant. And therefore, it's easier to you know, pull the wool over people's eyes. If I were to ask you to give me some money and I will I will buy you something. You're going to say, well, how do I know you're going to buy it for me? But when it comes to crypto, people are quite happy to trust companies based in all sorts of countries where you actually have never heard of the countries before and where there's no regulation whatsoever. So whilst we don't particularly like crypto as an investment class, if you Google the word investment, you're going to come across cryptocurrency or crypto assets sooner or later. And um, we just want to make sure that if you're a South African and you want to enter into this risky environment, that we can try and take away some of the risk by getting into the crypto asset space. Right. You deal a lot with this kind of thing, but you have to cover the entire financial market, right? So you would be dealing with anything from shares to you know hedge funds and all that kind of thing. Is this really giving you the biggest headache at the moment, the crypto market? This is where most of the complaints are coming in. Now, I think uh, good old-fashioned fraud uh, in financial products is still probably the, the lion's share of things. But the increase in the, in the traffic and, and the noise related to this is definitely uh, bothering us. Last year, it was a lot about forex trading. This year has moved a little bit more to, to crypto trading. Mm. So uh, forex trading and crypto trading, generally I, I, I warn people, and if the word platform is added in there, just you've got to be extremely skeptical. But you see a platform is an intermediary service. So right. it's a legitimate type of activity conducted in the 
in the financial advisory and intermediary services space. And all we say is, well, if you want to create a platform for crypto, you must be registered with us. And that will mean that we will do some checks. For one, that the company that's registered is a legitimate company. Um, and secondly, that they have certain financial resources in place and that they will comply by giving us annual reports uh, from time to time, etc. You know, mm. It doesn't eliminate the risk. I mean, there are many examples of financial service providers and intermediaries that do go rogue, but it's a much smaller percentage than, than the guys that are running a completely unregulated space. Give us a bit of background to this development. I'm talking about the draft declaration here. I understand there's been quite extensive discussions with the industry players. So you've been talking, you've been participating, and you've been exchanging ideas. Have these negotiations been helpful in shaping these proposed regulations? Well, for a couple of years now, the intergovernmental task force has been set up between the the various players in in this sector, the National Treasury, the Prudential Authority, the Reserve Bank, the FIC, and ourselves predominantly have been speaking about how do we regulate cryptocurrency or crypto assets, as we prefer to call it. Can we regulate it, etc.? So there's been a couple of ideas put forward as the way to go to go ahead with it. One of the areas was that each of our, the different regulators would try and tackle regulating in their specific sphere. We are just one of the, the the initial movers in this in this regard because it's much easier to regulate the crypto asset environment when you've got a starting point. So the people that are um, providing the initial services ideally would be doing the intermediary services. And so we are the natural first first step in this progress as such. Right, so the crypto exchanges are going to fall under the FIS Act. They're going to have to be licensed. Now, the FIS Act is quite a beefy act. It really does, it's there to protect consumers, yes. Uh, you cannot give biased advice. You know, you cannot be a guy coming from a bank, Bank X, and say, hey, buy my products only from Bank X, you've got to actually lay out the the universe of, you know, competitive products that are available to the person. So somebody who says, you know, I want to buy Bitcoin. Now, let's just project forward a little bit into the future. And he phones up an exchange, I want to buy Bitcoin. What would be the process at that point? What would the guy on the other end of the phone say, yes, we'll take your money. That's wonderful. And I'm sure you're going to do very, very well. Well, obviously, that level of detail we haven't prepared yet. The next stage after the declaration is will involve more industry consultation with us as to what exactly we'll ask. But it will be something along the lines of, thank you very much for your money, but before we can actually finalize this deal, we have to go through a couple of procedures. One of them is we must make sure it's appropriate to you. So if you come to me, like many South Africans at the moment, have very little savings, almost no savings. But they, they're loaning money from friends, fools, and family, and they're taking it to put into this great investment product at the moment, and they put everything into it. That would probably be inappropriate. So, for instance, in any investment portfolio, the whole idea is that you would spread your risk. You would have some in bonds, you'd have some in equities, you'd have some in, in more exotic things, potentially debentures. But most South Africans probably only need their money in pensions and a retirement and if they if they really got extra money in, a, in some form of a collective investment scheme. So if you came to a FSP and said, I want all this money in Bitcoin or something like that, that would be a, a big problem. Right. Okay. That would not be appropriate advice. It wouldn't be appropriate advice. And you could get what penalties as a result of giving that kind of advice? Well, theoretically, we can debar the person. So they would not be allowed to practice in the financial sector, their profession in the future. Obviously, we can hit them with a very large fine. We hit a fine of 100 million the other day where we thought something was, was not done appropriately. What was that for? 
It was uh, involving a white labeling of a of a collective investment scheme, but it right. was reduced downwards to 30 million by by the tribunal okay. on appeal on the basis that they didn't find it reckless. Or, um, but the point is that there's no limit to a fine which we can impose, and we are guided by the, the level of damages that you might have occurred because of the bad advice you gave. Our primary thing with all our administrative penalties is to deter the incorrect conduct in the industry as such. So the idea is that our, our intermediaries and FSPs do take the responsibility to make sure that the clients not only appropriately invest, but are also aware of the risks. So theoretically, you could say, I don't care about this, I'm going into it. And then that person must be pointed out in numerous places. I understand that this is a high-risk investment. I can probably sue nobody if it goes wrong. I understand that there's no underlying business behind this, etc., etc. You know, That's the type of thing that we want the public to know. Some people just understand that this is the next best thing, and they don't understand the underlying investments or the lack of of a of a business behind what they're investing in and they're just going with everybody's pushing this latest crypto asset as such you know it's showing a hundred percent just just to sort of jump in there and and uh and and challenge you a little bit on that one yeah. because yes the the to say that there is no business underlying bitcoin is true there's no revenue stream there is no earnings there is no interest yeah. that is earned on it however it's it's built on what is the definition of money and we were talking the other day to the economist Darby wrote about this and mm-hmm. you know what is what is money but it's something that people exchange and they have confidence in it essentially so it has become a money and um, the fact that it's got nothing underpinning it is of course that could disappear I, I, I grant you that you know there could be somebody one day hacks the entire b- uh, blockchain and, and all that money disappears well th- there goes your money but per the definition of money there is something there it's a network effect yeah there's perception you know, what is the value of the U.S. dollar? There's a lot of perception involved in that. But when they come up with the value of the U.S. dollar, they look at what the gross domestic product of the country is, what the unemployment rate is, etc. When you look at certain crypto assets, there's nothing to evaluate other than there are some cases whales, and they decide, that well, we want to cash in some of our currencies. So they start to keep on stimulating these many businesses around the world that says this is the next best investment since the invention of, I don't know what, the, inter- what, the internet. There's, there's nothing, you know, since our, our friend Madoff has been around. Nobody's been able to give returns like this, so they, <laughs> they talk it up, they cash out. There's, there's just nothing there. Mm. So any of it, it's up to individuals. If you want to invest in binary options, which in my opinion is just as mad, it's like gambling, binary option, this is going to go up or down, yes or no, and if it goes up, you make money, if it goes down, you lose money or whatever, you know, there at least you've got a 50-50 chance of success and the people at the, at the moment that are playing in that environment are regulated by us. In the case of cryptocurrencies at the moment, there's nobody regulating you. So if you are betting on going up or down... I mean, the European exchanges, you mentioned Forex as, as being a source of your complaints last year, and now the mm. source of complaints has moved on to cryptos. But the European Union has adopted this law or this regulation where exchanges have to disclose how many of their clients are winning and how many are losing. And it's quite fascinating. The majority are losing. For sure. On Forex. And binary options and things like that. It, it, it is. It is. You know, is it going up? Is it going down? Is it black? Is it white? That's basically what's happening there. And, of course, there's a big community of people trading 
Bitcoin as well. Why do they love it? Because it's volatile. And, you know, volatility they love. You know, if it's going to move, it's going to move big and you're going to make a profit. If it can go against you, you're going to lose big. And then you add leverage to that. And, of course, that just amplifies the whole thing. So there's, there is some crazy stuff happening in, in this market. Are you able to really – I think there's a limit to your regulatory reach. I think there's a yeah. point at which you can, you've got to say, listen, we can't really help because, face it, I mean, a Bitcoin, I can have it on my flash disk. I can perhaps memorize it, and I can travel around the world with that, and you'll never know. And we're not trying to regulate the crypto assets as such. We're not trying to regulate Bitcoin or one of the other assets, crypto assets. We are only at this point in time, and probably I don't know how much further we'll ever get. We are just saying that the people that allow you entry into this world of crypto assets must be legitimate and must at least disclose properly to the South African citizens what you're getting into. If you want to go and buy a second-hand racehorse that's got a, a, a lame leg, that's your choice, all right? But the person, the broker, is selling you this racehorse as such. Must at least point out, per our rules, that racehorse is worn, he's got a lame leg, etc. You know, And if you still want to buy it and take the, the risk or the gamble, then go for it. And we're not going to stop you doing that. It's not our intention. Okay, it's clear from the statement that you issued last week or the declaration that the FSCA plans further regulations around the crypto space. What kind of regulations can we expect? Probably certain classes of a crypto asset may require specific regulation going forward, you know, uh, securitized tokens as such. That's an area that might receive some attention. Not me, either from us or from the other players. But at this stage, it's really too early to, to, to know what that's going to be. Okay. All right. Crypto exchanges and other intermediaries now are going to fall under the FISA Act. So, I mean, that, that is quite a, a chunky piece of legislation, right? Do you think, in fact, that this might have some counterproductive effects in the sense that it's going to encourage people to invest more in cryptos? Because, of, oh, you know, it's got the, the blessing of approval, the imprimatur yeah. of the FSCA. Fine. I'm going to go for it. Well, that is our biggest fear. And that's why in our statement, and you will see, we'll say it as much as we possibly can, just because we're regulating the services and the advice in in a sphere, we don't necessarily endorse the underlying product. You know, you've still got to do your proper due diligence, and the advisors have got the obligation now to point out to you the pros and cons. Just like if you were to choose any investment company, you know, some investment companies are better than others. Some of their track records show a 20% return and some show a 10% return. And you ask yourself, why is this one outperforming the others? You know, is it realistic? Is it, you know, so effectively we are regulating the providers, but we're not saying that the product is good. And it is our biggest concern. And a part of our consumer education will probably be a lot more focused on telling the public, please remember, not all investments are appropriate for you. And for 98% of South Africans, I don't see this as a major investment class. You know, I almost hate to use the word investment, crypto in the same sentence. But I understand that people believe it is and the track record of certain, but very, very, very few crypto assets show a growth. Most crypto assets and and, and initial coin offerings, they they completely disappear Mm. and are very often scams to start off with. Mm. So there are are a handful of of cryptocurrencies that might have shown some track record, but you would ask yourself, why do these ones show this track record as well? And 
why they've got so much money involved in it. You know? mm. People must never forget the people behind some of these initial purchases were really questionable character. I guess it's safe to say, Brandon, that you don't own any Bitcoin. Not to chance. <laughs> no Ethereum. I did, I did once purchase on one of my banking apps just to see how it worked. I bought it and I sold it again. I'm not even sure I sold it at a profit or a loss, but it was so quick. <laughs> now, I can't in principle. If you, know, if you look at Warren Buffett, uh, many of the things he said, you've got to look at the underlying management. In this case, we actually got nothing to look at other than the masses have been spoken into this currency, into these currency assets around the world and said, this is the next best thing, buy it, buy it, buy it. That's the only thing that drives the value up. At some point in time, some people say, well, let's rather go into this. Mm. And then the market is going to collapse potentially. Some people are going to make a lot of money with crypto assets. Right. But there's going to, for everybody that makes money, somebody's going to lose money mm. in the long run. And I'll probably be sitting 20 years from now looking back and say, that was the worst investment decision of my life, potentially. But, but I mean, if you look at the big guys <laughs> that are getting involved, like, uh, you know, PayPal are endorsing it. You've got uh, Jack Dorsey's company, Square, which is investing in it. You know, you've got people investing hundreds of millions of dollars in it. They're doing it for a reason, and I'm sure they're not stupid people. I think maybe what you're talking about is the people who are entering into schemes or trading or something like that. Look, I think there's probably for everybody maybe a percent to 5% of their portfolio might end up potentially long-term in credible cryptocurrencies. But the majority of people don't even have unit trust. Why would you be in a high-risk investment that's got absolutely nothing other than perception behind it? When you don't even have any money sitting in a collective investment scheme with some money in some of the banks and industrial stocks or mining stocks or something like that. We've got no exposure to anything else, but we're, we're sitting in either forex trading or we're sitting in crypto um, asset. It just doesn't make sense to us. We get more balanced advice mm. and act on it. And if you want to be a, a gambler, if you want to, you know, then you're welcome to, to gamble in any, in, on any investment. Right. But, you know, at least be honest with yourself. I'm taking a, a gamble. It's a flyer. Yeah. It's a flyer. It's going to yep. maybe work. It might probably work. might not work. We don't know. You know. Right. Brandon, is South Africa ahead of the international curve when it comes to the regulation of cryptos? Or are we lagging a bit? Well, some countries are f- further ahead. Other countries have just banned it completely. You know, we, mm. we as a Russia country. Russia being one, right? You know, so there's a few countries, I think. Mm. Um, but... I don't think we we are the the trail setters in this regard, and we are looking at the best practices around the world. We're taking a more conservative, responsible approach. But let's face it that there's an old saying in the diamond business, not everybody in the diamond business is a crook, but every crook is in the diamond business. There's no (laughs) doubt about it anymore. There's not a crook in the world that's not in the crypto business. Mm. You don't even take payment in cash anymore. Mm. Because it's so difficult to do anything with it, but nowadays, hey, everybody you can you can buy a hot dog with with a crypto asset. So it's becoming a really nice mechanism for for criminals to hide their their activities. I mean, you could say the same about cash, right? Yeah, but I'm saying people move from cash. The criminals are moving from cash <laughs> to cryptos more and more. Isn't there something inherently built into these cryptos that makes it extremely difficult for regulators around the world? I mean, you've got these coins like Monero and, and Dcash and, and some others that are completely anonymous. So if you're trying to hide your, your assets, you, you buy these, these coins, doesn't it defeat the regulators at the end of the day? So you kind of, there's a bit of an element of trust, you know, that people are basically law-abiding, they do want to declare what they own, and they do want to stick within the rules. There is an element of that, right? 
Yeah, look, the point is we can regulate people that want to be legitimate in South Africa. But if you want to go and hide your um, your IP address and go and set up offshore crypto wallets, people are still going to do that. You know, the, there's the Afrikaans saying about the wheel dry, the wheel turns and such. Sooner or later, people want to bring that, that asset back into the mainstream investment community or back into your bank account. You know, that leaves a trail. You know, there's only so much we can do to protect the public. Mm. You know, and it's like uh, Ponzi's. Everybody knows this is a pyramid scheme or a Ponzi, but if I get in and out quickly, then um, I'll be lucky, hopefully. So people are welcome to gamble. Right. Unfortunately, uh, we can't stop them. Okay, let's talk talk about Mirror Trading International because uh, you, you've been getting, uh, you're telling me, hate mail uh, from very happy clients of Mirror Trading or MTI. Uh, you did a raid on the company some weeks ago and on the residences of certain of the executives in the company. Just give us an update. What's been happening then? Yeah, well, we're still analyzing the data, but I would expect in the next couple of weeks we will issue a an update to the public maybe in the form of a report. Needless to say, at this point in time, nothing has come to our attention which gives us any reason to not stick with our original warning to the public. We still believe that people should not be investing in that organization at this point in time. Right, and there was a threat from Mirror Trading that they would uh, bring a damages suit against you. Has any development happened on that front? Not that I'm aware of at this point in time, but you know, we're quite happy to proceed to protect to defend our decisions you know and people must understand we don't make a decision like that lightly right you know so there's enough basis in our minds to stick with our uh, the decision which we took and the decision which we are happy to carry on backing and if we made a mistake we would tell the public we made a mistake right i, I spoke to sherry marks about the uh, she did a presentation to you, I believe, with some executives of Mirror Trading, and uh, she was explaining to me, Sherry Marks being the, the marketing executive for Mirror Trading, that mm-hmm. you saw a live trade. Now, th- th- this is the concern that anybody would have, is like, okay, this, this is a system which is generating apparently incredible returns based on an algorithm or a bot, so it's a, it's a computer-generated system, and you were shown that. Now, is, is that correct, or do you have a different version of that? We were shown something, whether it was live trades or not. We obviously don't necessarily agree that they were. You don't think they were live trades at all? Well, we don't agree that they were live trades that we were shown. Okay. So there's clearly a dispute there or a fact. Yes. You know, she said you were shown and you're saying that you're not happy that you did see that. We've requested additional information or evidence to support certain of the allegations put to us. Okay. And we have not received anything to date for us to believe that what we were shown was, in fact, what was purported to be. Right. And would it not also be true then that that mirror trading falls outside of your regulatory jurisdiction? As MTI are saying, they they say we're we're happy to comply, but we feel that we don't fall under this law. Well, initially they were forex traders. And the only crypto element to it was that people paid for their forex trading using crypto. What we were shown was forex trading in the form of derivative trading. And any form of a derivative provider needs to be regulated with us for the the specific reason that how do we know that if you win or lose on a derivative trade, you will be paid out in the end. So a very big part of of the 
the licensing requirement for derivative trading is to ensure that the actual customer will get paid out in the end. So that's why we, we, we license derivative traders, providers. They then said, well, we don't have to deal with crypto, so we will now trade in crypto assets. But what we've asked subsequently ascertain is what they're actually doing is they're trading in derivatives of crypto. So they that does bring them under your regulation. All right. So uh, you, you, you're still investigating and you're going to issue a statement shortly, what, before end of year or before, early next year? Before the end of the year. What has been the feedback? Uh, and do you get a lot of hate mail from MTI customers? I get a lot of questions from people saying, should I carry on investing? And I just point them back to our, our, your original, uh, statement. our original statement. But I do get a <coughs> lot of. I've got a few uh, religious leaders who say their church's funds in another country are invested in it, and I've got some really interesting stories. People say that they can't survive without the returns being generated, that they're right. so good. Yeah. You know, it just tells me, you know, these are warning flags to anybody. Yeah. You know, when you yeah. get such great returns, firstly in, in the derivatives of trading in Forex, which as you mentioned earlier, most people in the Forex markets lose money. And then a couple of weeks later, same returns, but now trading a completely different thing called crypto assets as such. Mm. So um, it really raises questions for the regulators, and it should raise questions for any serious investor as well. Right, yeah. I, I mean, I had a mail from, from a guy saying he's making 147,000 rand a month from, mm. from this. So, you know, clearly there's, there are people who... Uh, you know who are making money, and and the people haven't declared that to SOS in many cases, and mm. there's been some correspondence of how you don't declare it to SOS. But I can just <laughs> advise the public that any gain you make or don't make is taxable. Right. Make sure you disclose it. All right. So just returning then to the the, the draft declaration. Yeah. What has been the response so far? Have you had positive response, negative response? Give us an idea. So far. I've had no negative response that I have seen anywhere and uh, as an authority I have, we have not received anything yet obviously people have gone until the, I think it's the 28th of January to respond um, but you know there's no reason why there should be a negative response the only people that are going to respond negatively are the, are the crooks in my opinion they don't want to be regulated because they're based in some jurisdiction in another country most of the legitimate players in but we've come across in South Africa seem to be very pro the um, regulation. So I don't anticipate we're going to have too, too many people, if any, that are going to be against the idea of regulating the advisors and the intermediaries. All right. So there was this intergovernmental fintech working group, and that was involving representatives of government and the regulators and the industry players. And a position paper was published in May 2020, basically explaining how this regulatory framework for cryptos is going to look. What were some of the key points that came out of that? Well, primarily that each of the various regulators would tackle the regulation from their point of view. So, for instance, the FinServe at the Reserve Bank will have to bring in some specific rules going forward. And the FIC have already given some indications of so how they want it reported and there's, I think it's been done on a voluntary basis at the moment and we as a FSCA, the first step flown from this uh, working paper was to look at the advisors and intermediaries in the industry. We're going to leave it at that. Thanks very much. That was Brandon Topham who is the Divisional Executive for Enforcement at the FSCA. Thank you very much Brandon. A pleasure.